You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. This episode is all about the Writers' Festival, which is happening next week, October 17th to the 23rd. And they are having a poet, Charlie Petch, who is not only trans, but also disabled. Really exciting. I'm so excited for this. But first, let's play our theme song, Possibilities by Key Sarah. The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alison Mira. Eoch Tanuyap. Kwege Iwans Kwiensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kwege Iwans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. This episode is all about the Writers' Fest happening next week, October 17th to the 23rd. It's very exciting. I'm going to be volunteering again this year. 
hopefully everyone will be able to see me. My first guest today is Leslie Hertig. She is the artistic director of the Writers Festival. Really interesting person and she is able to organize and run the whole festival. Thank you so much, Leslie, for being on my show. I'm very happy to be here, Allison. Thanks for inviting me. Off the bat, it's at Granville Island. How has the Writers' Festival, which is a mainstream festival, adapted for accessibility for people with disabilities? Well, this is a good time for that question because this year we launched an accessibility roundtable so that we could really examine how to make our events as fully accessible as possible. It's something that we've strived for for a long time in the in the ways that many arts organizations have, meaning we want to make sure our venues are wheelchair accessible and we want to make sure that our bathrooms are open to everybody. And um, I think when, we, when you put a conversation on stage, which is really what the Writers Festival does, we invite authors here to be on stage and to have interesting conversations. Um, those sorts of events are for most people easy to attend, but we knew that there were certain groups of people that we were definitely leaving out. So the accessibility roundtable involves a bunch of people, including folks from Vocali, for instance, and um, other uh, organizations that can come in and give us different points of view of where our accessibility might be falling short. And I look forward to next year seeing the results of that of that study and that round table so that we can just continue to expand our reach. I think the pandemic taught us all a lot about how we can use recorded and live streamed events to reach more people that don't either feel comfortable coming to venues or simply cannot come to venues or live outside of Vancouver. And, you know, it's just not feasible from a, a travel point of view. Um, but we're trying to figure out ways that we can invest in the professional recording of events so that we can continue sharing them. And this is just one piece of that. This year, although almost all of our events are live and in person, we're live streaming all of our events to reach classrooms and youth right across the province and beyond. But also we're investing in having cameras record almost all of our adult events so that we can reproduce those with captioning for a digital festival that we will release in December. That sounds amazing to be able to have that idea and really go for that and have the closed captioning and have a digital event on top of the live event. That's the plan. And we're just, we're playing around with this. We need to see, are people interested? Will people take hold of this? Um, it was really hard last year when we ran our festival to do, run both a digital festival and a live festival at the same time. It was uh, quite exhausting to do that. We didn't have, I mean, we had the people power, but it, it was hard on everyone. So this year we're trying to, we're splitting it off and seeing if we can, take what we've done on stage here and then share it again, reproduce it to share it in a different way. It's a lot of manpower, but I've seen the results and they're quite spectacular as well. Thank you. I, I'm glad to hear you think so. It's hard. It's one of those rewarding but difficult parts of running a festival. And I know Amy Amanti of Vocal Eye. I've had her on my show and oh. we've become fast friends. Oh, good. So she's another advocate and powerhouse all unto herself. What started that whole conversation and that whole idea of having accessibility and making sure that the Writers' Fest is as accessible as possible? Well, I think when you look at the very simple theme of books and what are books for and what can books do, and as a society, why do books continue to be such an important artistic medium and communication medium? Um, I like to think that it is because through reading other people's 
work, whether it's fiction or memoir, poetry, um, we, we walk in their shoes a bit. We develop empathy for others when we read others' stories and when we learn other people's stories through storytelling. So part of that is indeed including everybody in our society. And um, I, I think as an organization, the Vancouver Writers Fest wanted to ensure that we are reaching out to as many people as possible, still keeping the, the frame of our, of our wonderful um, event, literary event production going, but also making sure that we're trying to include as many people as possible within that um, and exposing as many people as possible to these incredible voices from all over the world. To have that, especially with us, to reach out and reflect what we're reading. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a difficult path to go, but inspiring path to go and be a part of. And, and I have to say, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Our whole team is learning a lot as we go. And of course, we're not going to get everything right, right away, but we're taking the steps and, and uh, I hope we're moving, <laughs> I hope we're moving that way. Moving the needle ever so slightly forward every time. That's right. Exactly. And with that, don't go anywhere because there will be more on the Self Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. Join me, Derek White Sky Cloud. I am your host every Wednesday night from 5 to 6 p.m. for Métis Matters Radio, where we discuss why Métis matters and the worldwide matters of Métis people. From the past to the present, every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. This episode is all about the Vancouver Writers Fest, which I'm volunteering for this year. Again, it's going to be a lot of fun. And right now, I'm in the middle of talking with the artistic director, Leslie Hertig, about the accessibility aspect of the Vancouver Writers Festival. Besides the accessibility part of the Writers Festivals, who do you have as writers, poets, authors with disabilities in the lineup this year? Well, I think right off the top, you mentioned uh, wonderful poet Charlie Petch. And we're very excited to welcome Charlie. I believe this might be their first time attending the festival. Um, so that's exciting. And they're going to be in a couple of different events. One is a, a youth event. It's our spoken word event that is curated by poet, wonderful writer and poet, Jillian Christmas. Um, Jillian has Charlie Petch in this event called Word, which is meant for a high school audience and will feature uh, two other poets, Brandon McLeod and Lucia Meech in this one. And I think that's going to be incredible. And then we get to see Charlie Petch again in our Poetry Bash on the Friday night. And that's an event that's meant to be really um, lively and fun. Um, it's hosted by Billy Nickerson, who's a local poet and uh, teacher at Kwantlen University. And that is going to be another great way to come out and see Charlie. I have met Charlie out of the Vancouver Fringe Festival. For a writer's organization or another writer's festival, hoping to look in accessibility or better accessibility, what's one piece of advice you would give to them? Or even to reach out to people with disabilities? Again, I think we're in a, an early place in our journey with this roundtable. And so I'm going to be really interested to hear what the committee comes back with and what advice they have for us. But I guess from a really beginning point, to reach out to as many different communities and find out how they would benefit different ways of us presenting our events, find, just reaching out and making sure you understand 
who can participate right now, who can't, and why can't they? Um, and until you ask those questions, you're not going to make the changes to your events that make them more accessible. So I know that's a really simple, a pretty simple answer to that question, which is much deeper than that. But I guess it starts by reaching out to the different communities and asking them, what do you need? What's keeping you from attending this event right now? To just reach out and get that information. That's right. And then, you know, in our case, like I said, and like other arts organizations have done, I think PUSH has done the same thing, um, the theater festival PUSH, uh, putting together a round table or a group of people who can give you that feedback. And then taking that information back to your programming team, back to your operations team to figure out how to implement the, the suggestions that are being made. To have that info and putting it in practice as well. What do you hope in the future for accessibility at the Writers' Festival and bridging that gap between the disability community mm. and the Writers' Festival and the writers' scene, the well, I think our goal is to make our events available to anybody who wants to participate. And so we need to figure out how to do that as best we can. I, I think our goal is to gather all that information and then implement as much of the suggestions as we can and, and make sure that as we move forward, like you said, we're moving the needle bringing as many people as we can into the fold and, and programming more events that, that are of interest to the disability community. That would be a goal of mine as a programmer. What are some of the things that you're excited for this year besides the accessibility? I'm excited to welcome everybody back to Granville Island. I love the buzz that takes place down here. I love seeing everybody browsing in the bookstore and, and having the chance to meet the authors that they perhaps are, are really um, enjoying the books of. And some of the events that are my favorites are our flagship festival events, things like our Sunday morning brunch, where when you come through the door, you are handed a glass of mimosa, you know, champagne and orange juice, and you sit and eat some delectable things while authors read to you. I think that's a pretty good Sunday morning. And we do the same thing again in the afternoon with our afternoon tea, only it's kind of a high tea style with, you know, you've got your coffee and tea, but also a little sherry to sip on and, and then some really delicious things. So those sorts of events I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Um, we've got an incredible guest curator this year, Omar El-Akkad, who was the winner of the Scotia Giller Prize Award last year. And he's one of the most lovely, gentle, and incredibly intelligent writers I can think of. He's a formal, former journalist um, turned novelist, and he's really writing about some of the world's most uh, pressing issues around immigration and um, what it means to not have a home, what it means to have a home. Um, that's certainly his theme this year, talking a lot about home and place with the authors that he's invited. So I'm really excited for his events as well. He sounds fascinating. Now wanting to go and see him as well. He's great. I highly recommend it. How can the listener buy tickets and go find the Writers' Festival and attend these events and see Charlie Petch? Well, thank you for asking. Um, all of our events can be found on our website at www.writersfest.bc.ca um, and can also go on our YouTube channel to find previous um, um, events that have happened. A lot of our youth events go onto our YouTube channel. All of the live streamed events that are youth events at the festival this year will stream as well. Um, like I said, we'll also have that digital festival and the pass for that will be available very soon. Information will go out, check our website, but the, those events will stream all through December. We also have a podcast and that can be found, you know, wherever you listen to your, your podcast, Spotify or, or Apple or wherever you happen to go. Um, that's called Books and Ideas Audio. And we reproduce a lot of our events for audio 
that way. Thank you so much, Leslie. I'm glad to have spoken with you today. Don't go anywhere because there will be more on the Self Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. An idea we're stealing. Vancouver's original community radio station since 1975. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You just heard me talking with the Vancouver Writers Festival, which is coming up next week in Vancouver on Granville Island from October 17th to the 23rd. I am now going to be talking with Charlie Petch, who is a poet, and he, they, is not only trans, but is also Canadian. Very important to get the Canadiana in. And is a disabled writer, poet, and activist in Toronto. He is coming to Vancouver for the Vancouver Writers' Fest come and watch them perform and do poetry, read poetry. Thank you so much, Charlie, for being on my show. Oh, I'm really honored to be here. It's nice to see you again. Nice to see you again as well. And we've known each other before the pandemic Mm -hmm. at the Vancouver Fringe Festival. It was fun. (laughs) It was so much fun. Before we knew each other on a different level and different spaces, You have a book of poetry that just came out last year during the pandemic, (laughs) Why I Was Late. Why this book of poetry? What inspired you to write this book of poetry, especially during the pandemic? Well, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of, I think, I think the manuscript was done before the pandemic. So uh, really, um, it was the editing process that happened during the pandemic. Oddly enough, I was like, okay, I am so, I love touring. I love saying yes to shows. I love being on the road. And, you know, I kept thinking like this summer, I have to concentrate. I have to not go to these shows. I have to stop being on the road all the time because I need to edit this book. And then the pandemic happened. So, um, so yeah, it was a, you know, monkey's paw that happens sometimes. And, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I've been, this poetry manuscript has kind of been in the work for about 10 years, but being a spoken word artist, I don't think about poems being on the page. I think about performing them and being on the road and doing all that stuff. So uh, really, it was it was a friend of mine who kept pointing out like, hey, I like this poem. I like this poem of yours. Like, when when am I going to get your collection, uh, Evan Courtney? And uh, I finally was like, yeah, I guess I guess was what we were supposed to do at this point is like put together a manuscript. And um, I was really honored that Brick asked me and they're, you know, they're like a 40 year old poetry only very old school Canadian press. Uh, and I kept waiting for them to call me up and be like, just kidding. <laughs> but it was great. It was a wonderful process. They really um, protected uh, the art of spoken word being on the page. Um, they had Andrea Thompson, who's a great spoken word artist, uh, be one of my editors and Nick Tran, who's more traditional like poetry on the page. Um, and Andrea, you know, she's a wonderful teacher at OCAD in many places. Um, and she really helped to make sure that it's a spoken word book, uh, as opposed to like a print poetry book. What inspired you to make or to become a spoken word artist? And then which inspired you to write why I was late? Um, yeah, I, I, so I was a poetry host at a series called Plasticine Poetry in Toronto. Uh, I was the host for like seven years. And I think like two or three years in, we started booking spoken word artists. And Lara Bozabalian and Truth Is, Ellipsis, uh, both performed in these early days of us having spoken word. And I was just, you know, I'm a 
I'm a theater kid because uh, you know there's no there's no trans there's no you know queer clubs in the in the 90s so I became a, a drama kid like a lot of queer people um, but no I, I'm uh, uh, so I'm like so once I saw what they were doing I was like this is like the monologue of my dreams right you don't have to write the whole show you don't have to you just get to that part where it's just you on stage uh and it's exhilarating and and it's wonderful to see it and it just spoke so much more to my own artistic sensibilities and i mean really like i'm someone who has a lateral lisp so if you ever asked me what i would do later on in life i would have said i have no idea why would i you know what you know if somebody said like you know, maybe you'll be a spoken word artist one day. Like I used to get beat up for the way I talked all the time. And so it's a real, you know, to get here is such a huge um, shift of like expectation of what artists sound like, what poets sound like, uh, and what people with speech impediments can even dream to do. I used to get bullied a lot as well for how I talked. And, mm. and it's not because I have a lisp or any type of speech impediment. It was because of a learning disability that came out. Ah. So to be on stage or to perform or just to be part of any type of theater festival where I am talking to people, yeah. <laughs> the younger self, I get to do this type of stuff and rub <laughs> yeah shoulders with everyone <laughs> yeah it's still like it's still such a thrill that people are like listening to me <laughs> and listen to what i have to say and what yeah. others have to say as well yeah and then they don't wait for me outside and beat me up in the schoolyard you know it's just it's wild every day <laughs> They wait for you to get pictures with you and learn more from you. Yeah, that's much better. Yeah. So much better. Having all of this now, being able to tour, being able to see your words on the page. And I've been reading it as well. Oh, good. And you talk a lot about being trans and you do have some elements of disability. Why be so forthcoming about your trans experience and your disability experience? Uh, well, for me, for my trans experience, um, it just feels like a joy and a celebration, you know, and it's, you know, and uh, when you come out, you know, you stop being like, I was, you know, forever, like the funny girl with the filthy mouth. Um, and then when you do come out, uh, it's you become a whole different ball game as far as how you get critiqued, as far as where you're invited to or not invited to, as far as hosts even just being comfortable with saying uh, your your pronouns. And really, like I found, like I didn't. I came out in 2016. I could have come out when I was six. Um, and for a poet who's, you know, language is so important. And for us to have missed our language of transness, of non-binary uh, based transness for so long, I think, you know, because I have this platform and because I am, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old. Um, that's, that's a story and that's a perspective. And I need to be loud about it because I have this platform because spoken word is political. Uh, because my existence is political. Uh, and, you know, I go into schools and I, you know, connect with trans kids and I connect with non-binary kids. And I just think it's, you know, they belong. I want to show them that they belong on stage as much as someone with a speech impediment belongs on stage and that they should be able to expect that people will listen to them. Uh, and that they've got something valuable to say and that they're to be celebrated. And, you know, the same really goes for being uh, disabled. Uh, I have a my I have a few different disabilities and chronic health conditions. And, you know, if I don't speak up about them, I'm not bringing my authentic self. Uh, I'm not showing people that um, disability is something that can, again, can be celebrated, that can be a source of pride. And, you know, it means I get to connect with other disabled people 
in really beautiful, intimate ways of um, us just existing in the world and in a world that's not suited for us. And to bring that to the stage and it's just a very, it's powerful to me uh, and I hope it's powerful to other people as well. But it's funny, like you, you kind of feel like you're always, you know, kind of doomed to explain your uh, existence sometimes. And it's like, you know, I just want to write a funny poem, you know, <laughs> sometimes. And we get to, you know. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a funny thing when, you know, you have to reintroduce yourself to people where I, you know, when I changed my name, I lost a 20-year arts career immediately um and it's 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 a certain thing you know and i know a lot of people my age that will reach out to me and be like thank you for speaking up i can't do it you know i you know i'm in a marriage i can't tell them about my transness but i've always known you and i have little safe spaces with people that can be trans around me even if it's in a little facebook chat and it's, you know, it's paramount to our health, uh, our mental health, our physical health, um, to have these spaces. And so when I am loud about it, uh, it means that I can celebrate with people in these spaces and give them an example of fearlessly doing something. It's hard to always constantly having to explain yourself and with me as well, just to explain, yes, I have a disability, but I need to be here just as much as everyone else mm -hmm. not easy it's really not mm -hmm. easy and to constantly say yes i can do it and for the world and society still not to build itself to create those safe spaces mm -hmm. so we have to create it ourselves with each other and have mm -hmm. those voices still stand up and wave our hands for the rest who can't yeah. Has your transness and disability ever intertwined at all? I mean, they're irrevocably tied, I guess. I'm a trans person experiencing disability. I guess like where I feel the most trans and disabled is when I am on a uh, on public transit, uh, transit. And so I have to wear a sleep mask when I'm on a subway because of the lights flying by i can't function with them and it's it's like a little seizure uh and so you know i'm already aware that i present trans you know even if you didn't see me as trans i look queer as hell and then you put a sleep mask like you blindfold yourself uh and a lot of people won't give me a handicap seat um i'll stand in front of them you know being jostled around with a blindfold and like yeah, that's when I feel the most trans and disabled because I can hear people talk about me when I people I, like I put my mask down and people will talk about me and I'm like I don't it, it's not an ear mask like guys I'm right here <laughs> you know so it's and it's th it feels threatening um, and I've certainly you know I've been uh, I've been in danger in some of these situations and. You know, it's it's not comfortable, but it is, you know, I have to get around the city like everybody else. Being human and, and you don't always see it that I have a disability and I need accommodation mm. as well. And the whispers going, I go, but I'm right here. I can hear you. I, under yeah. I understand. <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. That part's like so strange to me. It all comes from the society that isn't built for us essentially yeah totally yeah and it's like you know and when we show up we complicate things for people because then they have to face their own you know either understanding of gender or understanding of disability and self-advocacy and look at their own shortcomings in it right and we're just i mean i just need to get from point a to point b i don't give a you know I don't give one poop about uh, how you feel about me doing that, but that's what endangers us is people's feelings about the fact that you're outside occupying space when it's not made for you. Occupying that space when it's not made for you. Mm -hmm. On that note, let's go to a quick break. 
don't go anywhere because there will be more with Charlie Petch on the self-advocate on the CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. Howdy, folks. Tune in every Sunday afternoon from 4 to 5.30 for What the Folk, singer-songwriters, deep folk, roots music. It's all folk music. Sundays from 4 to 5.30 p.m. right here on Vancouver Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM and www.coopradio.org. You're listening to The Self Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. So right now I'm talking with Charlie Petch, who is an activist for both the trans community and the disability community, a spoken word performer, a poet, Canadiana poet who lives in Toronto and is coming out to the Vancouver Writers Festival next week. I'm so excited. Me I'm too. Going to be, I'm going to be volunteering for the Vancouver Writers Fest. Oh, great. So hopefully everyone can see me there. Since writing Why I Was Late, what have been some of the highlights and accolades that you had oh um i guess uh well i i hmm well i won the relit award uh which is a an award for i mean i call it like the award for biggest weirdo uh a lot of times people will be like no it's a, like a prestigious literary award <laughs> and like i that's what i said you know i said award for the biggest weirdo and like that to me is like a huge badge of honor um it's an award to a uh, uh, independent press that puts out a book that really challenges what we think about the form um so that that's been incredible uh and oh i got um i've been you know at toronto international book festival was just this past weekend being invited to vancouver poetry festival i know i'm um the first brick uh, books poet that's been invited. So, uh, and I got to do a uh, audit audio book, um, audible book. And that was so much fun because I said, you know, because within my book, there's all these descriptions of like what it's supposed to sound like. And here's the instruments I'm going to play and all that sort of thing. But because I just wanted people to like think of the sound because I, you know, atmosphere and music and poetry and spoken word all goes together for me. And I'm like, how do I bring that to the page? Uh, and then Brick surprised me with, we want to do an audio book, audio book. And uh, I worked with a really great sound engineer, Javed, who uh, let me bring my loop pedal in and all my instruments. And I said, you know, I want to make it all sound like I said it's going to sound. So it's sort of like a part spoken word, like, album and part book now so there's like 17 original tracks my old band actually came together um to do a couple tracks in it and so that part's been like it's so special and just like every time i get to travel and show and do you know shows in my living room i just adore it i adore performing and i really adore performing pieces in this book it's amazing that you got all of these prestigious awards now you can show off your book to everyone yeah go on tour again i know i'm so excited (laughs) as you know as comfortable as touring can be right now but um i know you know i i tend to work with places that really you know uh do the mask mandate thing and because you know we're all like the beginning of the pandemic to now, we should all be protecting ourselves in order to protect each other. And so I'm I'm really thankful that there's spaces that are honoring that still, even as our governments um, try to try to pretend that science is some, you know, wild theory. <laughs> it isn't a wild theory. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's just trade in science for the economy. Like, well, who's going to bring your food to the table um, if everybody's sick, you know? Or they no. can't pay their rent anymore because we also made it so unaffordable during the pandemic. Ugh, oh my gosh. I could go on about that for hours. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter because I do. <laughs> now that you're coming and we'll all be safe, I actually got a really cute mask ah. of uh, cats sleeping on top of books. Okay. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> the dream, right? Yeah. It'd be so funny and so cute. Perfect for the Writers' Festival. Mm-hmm. And I should see I can... about getting like a little like a printout of like maybe the cover of my book and I can put it on the thing or I don't know. I have, I'm I'm doing a visual showing of, of this mask I have where you can like put something in the filter. Uh, but yeah, I should do something cute like that. <laughs> Be safe and promote at the same time. Right? Yeah, yeah. What have been some of the more difficult parts of publishing and promoting your book? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, handling these moments when you get misgendered uh, on national stages. Uh, and then, you know, deal, dealing with everybody's feelings about it afterwards, too, um, from the most extreme to the, you know, to the most, like, whatever um somewhere in there you have a feeling about it but it's funny because you just have to kind of manage everybody around you and still try and be like you know i'm professional i don't want to break ties with anybody and i want to you know um honor what happened and uh do do our best to have a, a careful and good conversation about it um that part you know i, I kind of I have to really hold my breath until someone gets through the introduction because that's it's such a hard foot to step off on because you're aware that there's trans people, you know, trans and non-binary people in the audience or two-spirit people and they're aware that you just got misgendered and how do you, you know, I don't deal with it in the moment because I'm there to do a show, but you get the aftermath of it. Um, and it's a lot for a lot of us handling it rather than you know, pe people just don't know what that's like. Um, and I, you know, I, I know, you know, I'm a 48 year old person. I understand why people misgender me. Uh, but it's just, it puts me in a difficult position. And yeah, that, that part's been hard. Um, it's also hard to have something so personal out there and like worry about family or friends and their feelings about it or parents. Um, it's a lot to to show people all your cards almost right and then they and then they meet you and uh you know sometimes it opens people up to like i'll share my trauma with you immediately um because i read your book and i know you went through these things which is a really human thing to do um but sometimes yeah sometimes it can be it can be uh strange um like i said it happened to me on a dating app um we were like talking for a long time and then this person I you know revealed I wrote a book and then she like read it the next day and then got really obsessive with me and um yeah I'm like oh is this what dating's gonna be like um I'm still getting these long-winded emails uh even after you know really being clear uh yeah so <laughs> it's it's exciting it's a lot of that putting yourself out there and then others come and share their stories and and it's hard to not insert yourself or carry that other yeah. person's trauma as well yeah do you have any spoken word poetry that you're going to share at the Vancouver Writers Fest that you want to promote right now on the show oh like do a spoken word piece on the show yeah do a oh. spoken yeah, I could do that. I was I was actually looking at one of the disability poems, but I'm happy to change it up. Yeah, um I guess uh huh. I'm just looking now. Oh, I could do this one. Um it's called uh it's so I used to be a hot dog vendor in downtown Toronto and um 
and then I like later uh, worked as a um, uh, 911 operator and a emergency room clerk and um, worked in family health teams and all this sort of stuff. So <clears throat> it's basically I, I wrote I wrote like a larger spoken word play about it. Um, and this is a piece from that larger play. Uh, and the premise of the play is like everything I needed to know about uh, emergency response I learned as a hot dog vendor in downtown Toronto. And uh, it's a de-escalation technique maybe, or it's a, you know, spoken word theater or both. So uh, this is Church and Gerard. Um, and I also picked it because it's got a really good description of like what it's supposed to sound like. Um, to be performed with ukulele, musical saw, a jar of fake bacon bits, metal tongs, a serrated knife on a loop pedal done to the tune of Running to Stand Still by U2. And this was a song I used to sing all the time uh, when my boss would forget to pick me up and this, I would stay out at the corner of Church and Gerard until the sun came up as a 18-year-old, 19-year-old femme-presenting person. <clears throat> what happens at 5 a.m., Mansoor, my boss, has fallen asleep in his van again. And there's no cell phones to be had, and the sky is blinking blue, and the knife I keep hidden, it comes out of my shoe. Mansoor has taught me many things about late-night hot dog vending. Cut the wieners diagonal and flat in front, they, then a long line in the back, they lie flat. Keep the onions frying in grease. That smell is the best kind of tease, but he hasn't told me what to do when I'm the last one on the street. The sex workers are nowhere to be found. They've stopped calling out hot dog girl because they just like the sound. Stopped ordering sausages from the back seats of cars. Stopped enduring the yelling of men spilling from bars. The pimps are all gone too. They're not here to tell me that I should hook too. That I could go to Hawaii, that if I get knocked up, they can clean out inside me. Don't I want better money than this? Don't I want to start each evening with a kiss? And I think if I do that, I'll just end up with this hula girl charm on my wrist, and I'll lie back and watch it sway as I get fucked but never kissed. It's been hours since the drunken questions. I almost miss the slurred inflections. Yes, I sell things that look like dicks. No, I just earn sausages and not tricks. Sorry, I don't have any corn relish and the bacon bits aren't real and I'm barely staying awake because hot dogs are my only meal. It's 5 a.m. now and I'm falling asleep with hundreds of dollars shoved under my feet. If only I'd left with that sweet drunk dyke who said she'd double me home on her bike. Maybe she'd be surrounding me with sex-like art and make me believe that I am too smart to fall asleep behind this goddamn hot dog cart. The sun splatters onto the street as I breathe in fumes of propane and day-old meat. And somewhere else, Mansoor, you snore in your van. And somewhere else, I nod off again. So that was Church and Gerard. <laughs> oh, I can just smell the frying onions now. <laughs> so good. I still have street meat. I still love hot dog vendors. I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, I want to go find a hot dog vendor and buy one with yeah. those fried onions. And oh, yeah. When they could do the caramelized onions. We don't even like usually use the onions that are sitting in the can. We just like let it sit in the can the whole time and. It's just an aromat. It's it's our aromatic diffuser for the world. <laughs> for a person with a disability who wants to become a spoken word artist or a poet, or a Canadiana person who wants to become a spoken word artist or poet, mm -hmm. what's one piece of advice you would give to them? Um, I think. You know, um, maybe, hmm, I think it's almost like find your local poetry scene and make sure that they have accommodations, like, you know, go to the directors directly, or if you know someone in the scene and just make sure that they're ready for you because, uh, you, we don't want to miss your poetry. Right. Um, 
And, you know, I think to expect that you deserve an audience is number one. Uh, number two is thinking that there's someone in the room that needs to see you do this. Uh, and they might talk to you after, they might not, um, but there's someone in the room that is like a little you that needs to see you do this and needs to see themselves reflected up on the stage and that it's really important that you share your work. And, you know, don't worry about memorization. That's another big thing. Memori the idea that we have to memorize is doesn't help anybody, um, especially if you have, you know, neurodivergence or, you know, concussion, anything like that, or you've been through a pandemic that's been really awful for the past three years and now you can't memorize anything. You know, I think, you know, expecting accommodation as a part of what you're doing um, is important. And to, you know, so, unfortunately, it's usually like self-advocacy for that. But truly, I feel like spoken word in, in Canada and in the United States, all over Turtle Island, I think we are a, a type of scene that's really forward for trying to, you know, do our best to um, meet people at their intersections and honor all voices and um, voice devices uh, on our stages. Because, you know, a spoken word comes from a black and indigenous background and nobody told them that they deserved a stage for so long, you know, uh, even now their voices are dissuaded uh, and their presences are dissuaded so we're coming from that um, history of of an art form. So, you know, we need to do as best we can by everybody in order to honor an oral narrative art form. If your local place isn't thinking like that, then they're not much of a spoken word scene and they don't deserve your work. To find that place that can host you and be accommodating and go for it and not expect perfection, but expect your authentic self. Yeah, dare to fail, I like to say. <laughs> dare to fail. I dare like to that. fail. Yeah. And like, you know, do a sound check, honestly. Half the battle is hearing your voice amplified. So go early. Make sure you know how you can get on and off the stage. Uh, bring a support person if you need it. Let them know, you know, there's a lot of like having to like just how do you get to the venue? How do you get all the way back from the venue? Um, thinking about the entire night because it can be a really emotional place, uh, spoken word. So thinking about all the things you need just to get from your house or your apartment and then back again uh, and put those things in place. And if, you know, if you want to share something and you don't want to talk to people about it afterwards, that's also your right. You know, just be like, oh, I'd love to talk to you, but I have to like answer this phone. You know, your phone is your friend and it can get you out of these conversations with people because sometimes bleeding hearts will come and find you or people who are eager to share and you're not eager to hold on to that for them. Um, you know, it is, it, is a, it is a big thing to get up on stage and don't apologize also. Even if you feel like you should, even if everybody tells you to all the time, don't apologize because okay. we're all there waiting for you to be ready to do your work and to honor it and to, you know, be able to celebrate you. To be able to do and find out and be prepared to for the whole night and know your limits as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you hope for the future for spoken word and the spoken word scene and disabilities? Hmm. Well, I love keeping a hybrid format, honestly. I think we need to honor more hybrid formats because... We're getting audiences as much as we're getting poets who, you know, chronically ill poets um, are able to do features now. You know, I think stepping away, you know, getting back and like, oh, it's fine. We're all together in this room now and it's great now. And then we've completely, you know, we're missing voices. We're missing perspectives. So I really hope that the future of spoken word continues to be hybrid. I know a lot of scenes are trying to achieve that. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's, a my, my first answer. There's so many answers to that, but my first is keep it hybrid. 
but I read so you can build that wider audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like why miss out on audience when it's super easy to go hybrid and we've all been doing it for so long? Keep it hybrid. I love that to be able to have that hybrid section. Mm -hmm. How can the listener find you, Charlie, and buy your book, The Reason I Was Late? Uh, You can find uh, Why I Was Late at Massey Bookstore, I believe, right now. Or you can find it on Brick Books. And there's a uh, Shop Local button. So you can find where to get it locally so you can support your independent uh, bookstore. Uh, And you can find me at charliecpetch.com or at SawPoet on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Saw, like a musical saw. Uh, poet. Thank you so, so much, Charlie, for being on my show. And hopefully I'll see you in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll be doing the poetry bash and um, and then a spoken word. uh, I think it's called Word or something like that. That Jillian Christmas is going to be hosting. So, um, yeah, I hope uh, I hope we see each other there or just passing by and give me a yell. I'll give you a yell. A non-harassing yell. (laughs) This has been the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. If you missed any part of this show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on anchor.fm or wherever you find your podcasts. To end out this show, let's put on our outro theme song, Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, the song Better Miracle talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. My window, the sun came through today. Was the day I thought I'd look to my window, felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you today. Was the day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh oh. I'm gonna be okay Remember Back then I've come a long way The dream May never ever be the same But came true Get here with you And that'll do I know The road I'm on is not an easy way Remember That I will define the path I take The dream Yeah I'm a dreamer What can I say Came true Get here with you And that'll do I feel it's in my fingers I know it's in my soul Now don't need I don't need a miracle Just want to get a bit better I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now, don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better, oh, oh. I'm not asking for a Today is here for me to read a 
you'll find yesterday. Yeah. Say I'm the past, I let it die. In, in time, I'll be doing fine getting by. Cause now, it's the only moment mattering in life. Today, different today, only today. Yesterday, never the same, never the pain. In time, love and learn to burn into the night. Cause now, it's the only moment mattering in life. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need to leave a cold. Just want to get a little better. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now.